Hello and welcome to the Hard to Handle Sports Podcast. This is episode number 43. My name is Ismael San Juan. Thank you so much for being here. The European Super League, we got to touch on that. It will destroy football if it goes through. Also, Jose Mourinho is now out as the coach for Tottenham. He gets sacked less than 18 months into his Tottenham job. Steph Curry versus Jason Tatum was one of the games of the years. Warriors versus Celtics. Celtics end up winning. What a game. Also, Julius Randle and the Knicks have won six straight. Julius Randle for most improved player. The Knicks might the Knicks might make some noise in the playoffs. And my man Alex Smith retires from the NFL. First overall pick in 2005. I want to tip my hat to him. Respect to Alex Smith. Have enjoy retirement. And the Browns get Jadavian Clowney. Jadavian Clowney um, is now a Brown after years of speculation. He finally ends up there with the Browns. Him and Miles Garrett, that's going to be a very intensive duo. All of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. First and foremost, we got to talk about the European Super League. Real Madrid, Barcelona, Atletico Madrid, Liverpool, Manchester City, Manchester United, Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea, Juventus, Inter Milan, and AC Milan are 12 of the supposed 15 founding fathers for this breakaway league to be played in the middle of the week. It will consist of 20 teams, 15 permanent members, 12 of which have already came out, 3 which are still in the works, and then 5 teams will be rotated in every season. And... La Liga, Premier League, UEFA have already condemned it, saying that any team that joins this league will be kicked out of their prospective league, whether it be La Liga, the Premier League, um, Serie A, or any of any wherever the other three teams come out of. They have made a joint statement saying that they do not support this and that players that play for these teams in this European Super League will not be eligible to play in UEFA tournaments or whether it be the Euros, Champions League, Europa League, and they could also be banned from the World Cup and from representing their country internationally. So this is this is shaping to be a crazy, crazy battle between these 15, 12 teams, 15 to be teams against UEFA, against FIFA, it's going to be crazy. I, I, like, this is barely, this is, mo- I'm talking on Monday, April 19th. News broke yesterday, Sunday in the morning uh, while the Premier League games were going before uh, Southampton and Leicester City kicked off. That's when the news broke. And throughout the day, throughout Sunday, a lot of these leaks were coming out. And then eventually, uh, almost all of the 12 teams came out with their with their tweets, with their statements saying that they're one of the founding teams, one of the founding fathers of these breakaway league. And I must say the general consensus across the world, across the leagues, across pundits is that this is this is a disgrace. This is an attack on soccer. This is going to destroy the pyramid system. And I agree with that. I wholehearted, wholeheartedly agree with all those sentiments. This is this is terrible for football. I, I'm a Real Madrid fan. I'm disgusted that they do this. Um, you know, Real Madrid has a reputation for always going for the money, always being a team that invests in big players, that signs the biggest stars. But this this is something else. This is just the owners being greedy, the owners of these teams wanting to keep all the money to themselves, not wanting to compete, not wanting to earn their place in the Champions League, in, in leagues of high caliber. They just... 
they think it's their right to compete in these elite tournaments. That's why they're making their own with no chance of being relegated, with no chance of losing their spot. And JP Morgan, um, Chase, American Bank, is the one funding this. They're putting a lot of money into it. Uh, I think they're offering these teams $3.5 billion for being founding fathers in this league. So it's just very disappointing. Like The way this is going to play out is... These teams are going to make all the money. They're going to take all the allure from the from the leagues. They're going to take all the entertainment, all the all the lights, all the limelight away from the teams, from the leagues. The leagues, uh, they have a pyramid system that trickles down to the second, the third, the fourth division. And it's worked. It's worked for like over 100 years in England and Spain. Anywhere you look in, in over Europe, this system has worked. It's it's been able to sustain the smaller clubs the big clubs and everyone gets a share of the pie with this league it just basically makes these 12 15 teams untouchable they're always going to have their money there's going to have no they're going to have no no fallback they're going to have no challenges they're always going to be there it's i think it's going to be boring like part of the entertainment of these teams playing each other is that it doesn't happen so often when you see Liverpool against Real Madrid, when you see, you know, Barcelona and Real Madrid play in the Champions League, not just in the league, it's like, whoa, like, damn, they actually got drawn up against each other in Champions League. Like, this is a whole different, like, matchup. This is a whole different entertainment. But if they were in the league where they play each other week in and week out, I think it will lose, it will lose that, that factor that it has, that, like, that, that rareness that it has and I think that's part of that's part of the greatness and you know a lot of people have said a lot of good quotes you know one of them is created by the poor stolen by the rich the beautiful sport of soccer you know it it, it grew from working working class people coming out of nothing you know you, you could play soccer anywhere you could play soccer you don't even need a ball to play soccer you could just roll up some socks and start playing soccer anywhere you don't even need shoes you, you see this in the streets of Brazil, in the streets of Mexico, and in, in the slums of England. You don't need shoes. You don't need much to play soccer, to enjoy the game. And you don't need much to fall in love with the team, to support them, to think that, hey, my team is in the second division, third division. But one day, if they work hard, if, if they have the right management, if they have the right ambitions, they could go all the way up to the Premier League, go all the way up to La Liga, eventually uh Playing the Champions League, playing Europa League, and 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 the same thing could happen. Like this part of the the threat of going down is part of football. Uh, I'm thinking about Portsmouth. I know they went into some like financial troubles. But they were in the Premier League. Now I believe they're in the third division in England. That's part of football. That's part of soccer. It's part of what makes European soccer so great. And it it just feels like this European soccer league is this European Super League. Is just attacking the very roots of soccer in Europe. It's attack. It's attacking the foundation of soccer in Europe. And I, for one, am not for it. Um, I've been a Real Madrid fan for as long as I can remember. Uh, through the rough years, through the through the great years, when Sedan left, now that Sedan's back, if, I, I'm disgusted right now. Real Madrid. I can't believe they're doing this. Uh, I know a lot of teams are disgusted at their at their teams that that are part of this. And it, it's just, it's cowardly, in my opinion. It's cowardly. But I don't really blame the players. I don't blame the coaches. I blame the owners. 
they're just money hungry they're so detached from reality uh they look at this as a business venture and that's sad that's sad what soccer has gone into it's they literally these these business owners just look at teams as an investment, as a company. They don't they don't care about the history of soccer. They don't care about the roots. They don't care about the people. They don't care about the fans. They don't they walk the hallways of their stadiums. They walk the quarters with all the pictures, all the trophies, all the history. And they don't care. They they literally don't care. They they're just there to put X in amount of money into the club and hope to get Y amount of money back. Just as long as they turn a profit that that's fine for them and they probably have other ventures that they probably care more about and soccer and football owning a club is just one of them it's just part of their portfolio and they don't care they they don't care that's that's as simply as i could put it these owners don't care about anything other than their wallet and you know gary neville and real ferdinand they had an emotional and passionate responses i like what real ferdinand said he said this is a war on football completely agree it's it's a war on football it's a war against the fans it, they just turn on the fans and and i feel like soccer without the fans is nothing we've seen that throughout the pandemic yeah we still enjoy the soccer we still enjoy seeing our favorite players play week in and week out but without the fans being there without the atmosphere it, it, it's not even it's not the same it's not close to being the same and right as we're getting we're starting to get through this pandemic, right? As you know, there's hope that you know we're going to start start seeing full stadiums again. We're going to make it through this pandemic. We're going to help the smaller clubs out so that they don't have to furlough their players. We're going to help, you know, any team that that needs financial help. The leagues are going to help them. Everyone's going to be able to stay afloat. And now we see this selfishness, this me mentality that these owners have is just sickening. It's it's disgusting. Gary Neville said this is a criminal act against the fans. Completely agree. Fans, fans who struggle, who have struggled in this pandemic to put food on their table, to keep their family healthy, to keep to keep going to work day in and day out. Essential workers who still look at soccer as escape, as a way to, you know, not go not go insane, to keep their sanity. Uh, soccer has been so sports, sports in general, but soccer for a lot of people has been, you know, the escape. The, the one thing that you have to look forward to when you know i've I've had family members that, that got covid i know a lot of people that got covid a, a lot that had family that got covid you know these this year has been tough but soccer has been there to to distract you for two hours to distract you for a whole saturday morning a whole sunday morning and now i know a lot of people that just feel so detached from their team and i know how passionate they've been about their team i know how much they care about their team but what the owners have done, what the owners have basically said by doing this is that they don't care about the fans. They don't care about the history. They just care about their money. And that is super sad to see. It's a, it's a sad realization to come to on yesterday, Sunday, and now today, a day after the news broke, that they really just care about the money. And they don't care about, I mean, we kind of, in the back of your head, you kind of know that. You kind of know that you're supporting the team because... You like what they represent, but at the end of the day, the owner just wants to line their pockets with money. I mean, we kind of know that. We it's 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 naive to think that they don't care about the money, but you're always hopeful to think that. Yeah, obviously they want to make money. They want to, you know, turn their investments into profit. But you always think you have that hope that hey, 
they still care about us. They it's not just about the money. They it, it's 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 a two way street. Like they want to make money, but they also want to satisfy the fans. They always want to put a good show out there, and they want to you know respect the roots of soccer. They want to respect the history of soccer or football. But now, more than ever, it's evident that they just care about the money. And I mean, it's not just right now that this has been evident. Um, over the years, you know, Premier League. It's not. It's not just the owners. It's everybody that's involved in soccer that it's just become more and more evident that they just care about the money. The Premier League used to be way easier to watch in the U.S. I, I'm in the U.S. So I could only speak about the U.S. But you could. You just had to have NBC Sports. Now you need Peacock. If you want to watch Bundesliga, you need ESPN Plus. If you want to watch your English English club play in the FA Cup. And you want to see them play in the Premier League? You gotta have, you know, cable, some type of cable package, some type of streaming package to have the NBC Sports. And you gotta have Peacock if if they have games on Peacock. And if you want to see that same team in the FA Cup, you have to have ESPN Plus. And if you so happen to be a La Liga fan too, you gotta have Bean Sports. And if you want to watch them in Champions League, you gotta have CBS, the CBS Sports um, streaming service, which I think they Paramount, I think they re- renamed it to. But you just it, every year it just seems like you need to pay more and more and more to be able to watch your favorite teams compete during the week. And during the pandemic, Sky and BT charged 15 pounds in England for fans to watch pay-per-view games of their favorite team. So, you know, the evidence the evidence is there. More and more, these TV networks, these owners, they just care about the money. It's They've turned our favorite leagues, our favorite teams into a cash cow and they just want to keep milking it and milking it and milking it and it's sad to see because us as fans oh i could speak to myself for myself but i know that a lot of people that i know a lot of people that follow soccer soccer is it's one of the most passionate sports that you could be a fan of it's it's different than football it's different than basketball uh, the attachment that you feel for a soccer team um, European nights, Champions League nights. Uh, I've seen some documentaries like, you know, watching Liverpool, watching Manchester City. And I, I haven't been fortunate enough to see a Champions League game live, but I've seen it on TV. I've seen some documentaries. I've, I've always hoped of seeing a Champions League game live. The energy is different. The energy that, that the fans bring, the European fans, the, the attachment, the loyalty that these teams have, these fans have to their teams is just on a whole different level. And like pundits have said yesterday, these stadiums, these teams have, have been there forever through wars, through famines, through sickness. They've been hospitals. They've been voting centers. They've been uh, food banks. They've, they've been everything to these communities in England and Spain and Italy. They've been everything for these communities and for owners to just turn on them, to just think of their profit margin it's sickening, it's disgusting, and I can't stand by it. So I hope this league doesn't pass, but I think the damage is, has already been done. I think uh, soccer is trending in the wrong way. Fo- worldwide football is trending in the wrong way. And you can see it, you can see it like throughout, throughout not just in Europe, but I, I, I think of Liga MX, the, the Mexican Soccer League. They just suspended the relegation. So all the, all the teams in the first division have safety. They can't get relegated. And this is this is something along those lines where teams just don't want to compete. They want to have that security that they'll, they'll always be whole. They'll always make their profits. And 
that's not that's not what world football is about. Relegation, the relegation, the the promotion system is is ingrained in football history, and I think it should stay that way. And honestly, Real Madrid, uh, I. As, as much as I'm a Real Madrid fan, it doesn't surprise me that they're part of this. That they're always on the front foot for any type of venture that would make them money. But there's clubs like Liverpool that have sayings like, you'll never walk alone. There's other sayings across that these teams use. And us as fans, we buy into these into these sayings. We, we, think it's, we think they actually mean it. We think we're part of something bigger than us. We think we're part of a community. We think we're part of the team. When we talk about the team, we use terms like we, like, oh, we beat this team. We're going to sign this team. We feel so connected to these teams that, that we really feel like we're a part of them. We have we have no stake in this. We have no ownership in these teams. We, we're just so loyal to these teams. We're so connected to these teams that we think we're part of them. And, you know, all these sayings, all the chants that, these, that the fans of these teams chant year in and year out, filling up the stands, they mean nothing. Uh, it's just now they're showing us that that's just a marketing tactic they're just fooling us they're just using all these sayings all these catchy phrases to get us to feel more connected to the team to get us more invested in the team to shell out more money to watch these teams to be there in person to buy their jerseys every year in and year out and it's sickening it's a slap in the face it's really eye-opening as a soccer fan as a football fan how much they don't care about us how much this is just about the money and how selfish these owners are and how much they just care about the money. Uh, and one of the things that, that really rubs me the wrong way is some of these teams that are in this so-called European Super League, they haven't been good. They haven't been, uh, you know, a key figure in their leagues for a while. Arsenal, AC Milan, Inter Milan, they haven't done much these last few years. Uh, AC Milan, Inter, the Juve, all right, They, if, if, if we are off to go by merit, yeah, all right. Juve kind of deserves to be in a Super League. If, if if it was by merit, they've been dominating the Italian League. But Inter and AC, they haven't done squat, and they just think they could always be in the best tournament of Europe when they've struggled to, to qualify for Champions League. Also, Tottenham hasn't won a, a domestic trophy in over, like, 60 years. They haven't won the league in over 60 years. Like, what gives them the right to be in this European Super League when there's nothing super about them? It's just crazy. This this whole idea is just ridiculous, and with so many angles, um, it, it it was really disappointing. It's still very disappointing today, a day after. It's it's sad. It's a sad day for football. It's a sad day for fans all over the world. And I hope it doesn't go through. I hope UEFA and FIFA um, punish these teams. And by no means am I singing the praises of UEFA or FIFA. They themselves have done a lot of shady stuff. There's a lot of corruption within those uh, two federations, but there needs to be some type of checks and balances implemented. This should be, this should get refuted. This should be like thrown into the dirt. This should never go through. But this, this is also a wake up call for FIFA, for UEFA to to step it up, to be more transparent, to not be, to not be part of the problem, to be part of the solution. Um, to be more transparent, to to end all these corruption in soccer, um, and you know, all the bribing, all the money that you know gets spent to to get World Cups, to get these tournaments. There just needs to be. We need to get rid of corruption in soccer. We need to get rid of, you know, owners 
that are just there for themselves and not for the fans. But overall, very sad day in soccer, and, and we'll see how this turns out. I hope it doesn't go through. I hope we, res- we respect the roots and the history of football, and I hope we don't we don't turn the other we don't turn our our heads on on these teams that need that need the big clubs in their domestic leagues to to keep afloat. They they need these matchups in the FA Cup, like Charlie Town against Liverpool or something. They need this income from playing the big teams. And one of, one of the one of the quotes I've been seeing around the internet is "compassion keeps us alive," and that's true. I completely agree with that. That's that's part of being human is being compassionate, like looking to your neighbor and saying, "Hey, I'm gonna help you out. I'm gonna be there for you, not just because I know you or because you're part of my life, but because I'm being compassionate. And that's part of what keeps us alive. And I think these big teams, these owners, they're just thinking about themselves. They're just thinking about the money. They have no compassion for the, their little brothers, their other, their other teams in the league in the third of it. They they don't care about the pyramid system. They just care about themselves. And J.P. Morgan Chase came with the bag full of money, and they took it, and they're trying to run with it. But I hope us as fans, us as pundits, um, the media, I hope we all punish them, and this doesn't happen. But let me know what you guys think. Uh, I think this is a terrible idea. I think this is... This has the potential to destroy football as we know it. But let me know, is, is there any positive out of this that you guys could think of? Or are you guys more in in line with my thinking, the negative, the negativity of this? Let me know. But moving along, Jose Mourinho gets sacked by Tottenham. Less than 18 months with Tottenham. He leaves with no trophies. Um, I think this was deserved. I think we all saw kind of saw it coming. Tottenham has underperformed. They have a they have a, a more than solid roster that should be competing for top four. They're currently seventh, um, and there has been no pr- signs of progress from Jose Mourinho and his and his uh, roster, his his team. Um, Tottenham doesn't play beautiful soccer. They're super conservative. Um, even when they play the smaller teams, they look like. They're always going to play the counterattack. They're never the team that proposes, that, that takes the initiative, that's asking questions. Um, they were knocked out of Europa League, losing 3-0 in the second leg, and embarrassingly. And, you know, recently they lost 3-1 to United. They were up 1-0. They let them score three goals in the second half. Um, they tied against Everton 2-2 after being 1-0 up. They tied against Newcastle uh, 2-2 who's fighting for relegation. It's just been a couple, it's been a rough month. It's been a rough April. It's been a rough ending to March. And yeah, he has the Carabao Cup final against City. But enough was enough for Tottenham. They sacked Jose Mourinho as the first team in a while, in over like 20 years that he has left without a trophy. And, you know, this is Tottenham. This is Tottenham. They, they struggle to win trophies. It doesn't matter who the coach is. It could be the great one. Or the, the so-called great one, Jose Mourinho. It could be Pochettino. No matter who's coached Tottenham, they, they've been unable to win a trophy. And harping back on the European Super League, for them to think that they deserve to be a part of one of those teams that is always going to compete in the best European tournament is just crazy. But, uh, yeah, so he, Mourinho, he struggled to, you know, really connect with Dele Ali. Um, one of the best players with Tottenham. He also has struggled to integrate Bell into that team. 
and they're paying massive wages for him. So I think Jose Mourinho has definitely underperformed with Tottenham. This this does not it kind of surprised me a little bit, but not really. I kind of like everyone kind of saw it coming. Like, are they are they gonna let him finish out the season? See see if he could scrap a top four finish. And now it's evidence that they they're not gonna give him the end of the season. They're not even gonna let him finish uh, the Carabao Cup. They're not gonna let him play the final against Manchester City. Uh, and it has to be asked: Is Jose Mourinho still the special one? Uh, yeah, he, he, you know, he he's won Champions League with Porto. He's won Champions League with Inter Milan. He's won trophies in almost everywhere he's gone, except here with um, with Tottenham. But is he still a special one? I feel like his last coaching jobs, um, United, Tottenham, how he left Real Madrid, is it's been a struggle for Jose Mourinho these last few coaching jobs he's had. And I don't think he's a special one anymore. I think he's... I was very disappointed to see how he coached Tottenham. He played scared a lot of the times. Like, I would watch Tottenham games, and I was just like, really? Like, you're just going to put a back a line of back of four, and you're going to drop all your midfielders into a second line in front of them, and you're just going to hope that Son and Kane and whoever's the third attacking trio could get it done and hunt them on the counterattack like it's just seemed very repetitive very scared tactics and he's won the premier league before so I, I was really surprised that he he doesn't think he could do it again or he plays so so relaxed or so with no intensity with no eager eagerness to be the team that goes on the attack but it is what it is uh, he's he's definitely losing a lot of shine as a coach i don't know how many teams are going to go out there and really try to recruit him to be their next head coach. Uh, I like him as a personality. I like him as a character. He's always, he's good for people that cover sports like myself. He, he has a lot of funny sound bites. He, he's, he has a lot of charisma, but his tactics have kind of dried out the last few years. Um, he hasn't had the results that he once had, but I'm pretty sure he, he will end up with another coaching job just because uh, coaches get fired left and right all the time. And, you know, after some after the dust settles from this firing, people are still gonna remember the good times he's had. The, it's hard to win Champions League, and he's won a few. So I'm pretty sure he'll get another coaching job. I don't know if it's. I think he should go away from the Premier League. It's it's been rough for him like the last two times at it. So maybe he should go to Italy, go back to Portugal. I'm sure he'll get another job. But it's been a rough few years for Jose Mourinho. I like him. I I, I respect him as a coach. I like him as as a, as a personality, I think he's kind of funny sometimes. But the best thing he did for Tottenham was developed. He developed a Kane into a world class striker. He developed his game as a passer, as a as a playmaker. He, he was al- he was already scoring goals. He was already you know scoring goals in bunches. But now he's a more complete forward. He could he could not only score but he could also create. So I think that's the best thing that Jose Mourinho did with Tottenham. And now Tottenham, we'll see who they hire. I think there's some rumors floating around already. I haven't read too much into it, but I'll t- I'll look on the, into that. Will they do better than Jose Mourinho? Probably. Jose Mourinho uh, finished sixth. Finished uh, sixth last year. He's in seventh place right now. Um, they're probably not going to finish fourth. We'll see who the new interim head coach would be, and who they sign. But Jose Mourinho's time in Tottenham has to be. If there was one word to describe his time with Tottenham, I, I think it would be disappointing or, yeah, disappointing. Um, just because 
that team had more potential to be more attacking, to be more on the front forward. But they just he he always played timid, and it cost him his job in the end. But on Saturday, the Warriors and the Celtics played one of the best games of the season. Tatum versus Curry put on a show. Um, like I said, this is game of the year potential. Two superstars going at it. Celtics have now won six straight off the back of Tatum. Um, Brown was hurt. I think he had some sickness or something like that. It wasn't COVID-related, but he wasn't feeling well, so he didn't play. Tatum put the team on his back, 44 points for Tatum to go against Curry's 47 on 11 made threes. This was just, if you guys haven't watched the game, if you guys missed the game, I suggest you guys watch at least the highlights. Um, if they play the game again, definitely catch it. Uh, check NBA TV or something. Game of the year potential for sure. It was it was a great game, start to finish. The the Warriors took like I believe like a fourteen or sixteen point lead at the beginning of and of the first half or in the first half, and then by halftime, Tatum had brought them back, and it was only a six point game. And then the Celtics came back, took the lead. Warriors came back, took the lead, and then the last few minutes were just crazy. Tatum and Curry going at it. Curry ended up with 11 threes. Another game where he's just a complete flamethrower. And Kemba Walker finally looks healthy. He, I think he finished with 25 points, on uh, 26 points, eight rebounds, three assists. He looked like the old Kemba Walker. I'm excited to see how how good he plays. If he could if he could continue to stay healthy, how he will look in the playoffs. Yeah, but. The Celtics are coming. They've won six straight. But for the Warriors, they need help. Curry needs help. He sprained his ankle um, throughout the game, but he still continued to play. He carried his team. He's the only player, the only players in NBA history, 33 years of age or older, with 10 consecutive games of 30 points, 30, 10 consecutive games scoring 30 points or more. The late Kobe Bryant and Steph Curry. So Steph Curry, you know, my respect to him, the, the streak, the hot streak that he's on right now, he's on a good one right now. He's he Even himself, he said that this might be the best streak he's had in his whole career, and that's saying something from the two-time MVP, um, one-time unanimous. He He's he's going crazy right now. He's he's must-watch TV. I think they play tonight. I think they play, I think it's Luka and the Mavs. But if you guys haven't watched any Warriors game these last few months, this last week, I suggest you guys tune in. Curry is on fire. He just won. Um, he just won West Western Player of the Week. Well deserved uh, for the Warriors. Gary Payton. I think Gary Payton needs to play more minutes. The few minutes that he played, I believe he played like seven. Um, he got some steals. He looked active. He has fast hands. We all know that his dad, Gary Payton, was an amazing player. He was one of the best defensive guards in the league. His son. Um, definitely has some limitations, but he's gritty and he's a good defender. Also, Juan Toscano Anderson, he has a great motor. I loved what I see. I see from him when he gets minutes. Um, he puts his body on the line. He's Mexican, so I, I respect him even more. But I, I love his hustle. I love his heart. He he left it all out on the on the court. He got hurt. I think he got a laceration on his head trying to go for a ball that was going out of bounds. It led to Curry three-pointer. So it was a great play. It was one of those plays that I was watching, and I was like, damn, that that was sick. Like, this is such a good game. It has everything. But if I'm talking about Gary Payton Jr., if I'm talking about Juan Toscano Anderson, no offense to them, but they're role players at best. Or, like, they could be solid role players. 
I don't think any of them has like star potential, and I, I don't think I'm I'm offending them by saying that. I think they both know that they're role players, and there's they could be solid role players. They could be key pieces to a championship team one day. But just the fact that I'm talking about Gary Payton Jr. and Juan Toscano Anderson just shows how much the Warriors have fallen off these last few years. How much help Curry needs. So I'm not talking about these two guys that a lot of people don't really know about. Um, Draymond Green, oh my guy, he missed a layup in the crucial time of the game. And uh, Kent Bazemore, he, he got to the free throw line. I think there was like two minutes left or less. He misses both of them. It's just like, come on, like help Curry out a little bit. I've, uh, when Curry was at the top, you know, as, as a Laker fan, I wasn't one of his biggest fans. I was, there's a lot of people that were using his name in hyperbole and calling him like top three players, top five player in the world, in the, in the history of the NBA already. And I had to bring him down a peg during that time. But now I feel like I'm turning into a Curry defender. Like, come on, someone help the man out. Uh, it's, it's amazing. I've always enjoyed this game. He's no matter like, how much I criticize him when people are like, uh, put him in the top three all time or whatever. Anyways, he needs help. Get Curry some help. What he's doing right now on the court is ridiculous. Um, it's it's insane. He's out. He's outscored a lot of teams um, in scoring three pointers this last few week or the last month. It's insane what he's doing. Get Curry some help. I hope Clay Thompson comes back healthy and at least ninety percent of what he used to be. So the Curry could have some help and we could have some great playoff matches with him. I will say this, it doesn't look like the Warriors are going to climb into the sixth seed, so they're just rightfully into the playoffs. But if they get the seventh, the eighth, the ninth, or the tenth, watching the Warriors, watching Steph Curry for the play-in, watching Steph Curry um, go at it in these play-in play playoff games is going to be like super exciting. But for the Celtics, without Jalen Brown, Tatum, he continued to take that next step forward, carrying the offense. Kemba looked good, too. They've won six straight. It looks like uh, Brad Stevens is turning that team around. Uh, also, Javari Parker made his Celtics debut. He played 16 minutes, 11 points on five of six shooting, four rebounds. First game as a Celtic, he didn't even have a full practice. It was just a shoot around. I hope Javari Parker is able to reignite his career with the Celtics. Uh, he's never really played for a contender for like a good team other than the Bucks. but he was very young. He got hurt. I think this might be a right situation. I know Brad Steven is a great coach. I think he'll be able to coach him in the right way and get the most out of him. But, yeah, it was a great game. Might be the game of the year when it's all said and done. It was so exciting. Uh, like I said, if you guys missed it, make sure to uh, tune in for Warriors games. Tune in for Celtics games. Tatum has been killing it too. And at least catch the highlights for this game. It was a great game. I had a little bit of everything, Curry going off, Tatum going off to Toscano, throwing his body uh, everywhere. It was just crazy. It was a good game. I thoroughly enjoyed it. Another game that I thoroughly enjoyed was the Knicks versus uh, versus the Pelicans. Julius Randle in his last four games, he dropped 34 against the Lakers, 32 against the Pelicans, 44 against the Mavs, and now 33 against the Pelicans. He's the first Nick since Carmelo Anthony to score 30-plus points in four straight games. For the season, he is now averaging 23.7 points, 10.5 rebounds, 6.1 assists, and 40% from three-point land. He's one of three players in NBA history to 
score over 23 points, over 10 rebounds on 40% shooting from three. The other two being um, Larry Bird and, man, I'm blanking out on who, who was the other one. But the point is, the things that Julius Randle is doing in this time is just ridiculous. Like, my man, ex-Laker, ex-Pelican, now he finds, he finds a home with the Knicks. I think he should win most improved player. I think uh, he should be an all-NBA. Uh, Nikola Jokic, that was the other player that averaged 20-10-5 on 40% shooting. But Julius Randle should definitely be the most improved player of the year. He should be on one of the all-NBA teams. Um, he's carrying the Knicks. The Knicks The Knicks are competitive. The Knicks are the sixth seed, I believe, in the East, and they're competitive. They play tough against every team. Tom Thibodeau deserves a lot of credit for what he's done to the Knicks. They're a great defensive team. They keep they keep their they keep the Knicks on on in every game because their defense is so elite. They could they could shut you down on eight straight possessions. Sometimes their offense gets a little stagnant and they're not the best. And they rely sometimes too much on Julius Randle, but their defense keeps them in games. They they could clank a lot of possessions in a row, especially when Julius Randle sits. But their defense is just so good that they're never really out of the game, even if they keep missing, because they're always going to get stops. They're going to get steals. Nerlens Noel deserves some credit too. He's been a great rim protector. Um, in the last few games, he had like two crazy blocks against a. Uh, I think it was Brandon Ingram, and then I forgot who he got it against the Mavericks, but Nerlens Noel, Julius Randle, they've been great. Also, Derek Rose had a great game, too. He, he finished with 23 points, 3 rebounds, 5 assists versus the Pelicans. He can still get it done. He's 32 years of age. He still has a pop in his hop. He still has a spring in his hip, and he looks, he looks like he could be a contributor in the playoffs when the Knicks undoubtedly make it they're at least gonna make the play-in and if they keep playing like they're playing if Julius Randle keeps playing like he's playing they 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 might keep the sixth seed they might even move up to the fifth I think they're not too far from being like a top four seed like a game and a half or two games and a half and they're trending upwards I love what I see from the Knicks the NBA is definitely a better league when the Knicks are relevant when we're talking about the Knicks everybody loves playing in Madison Square Garden even uh Williamson said it himself that he he loves playing Madison Square Garden. People are finding rumors or trying to talk about how Williamson might go to the Knicks when his when he leaves the Pelicans. It's way too early. It's his second season, but he did say he loves playing Madison Square Garden. I know a lot of people have put it on record that they love playing on Madison Square Garden. It's the mecca of basketball, and like I said, the NBA. Basketball as a whole is better when the Knicks are relevant. It's just another big media market. I like. I, I even like their announcers. Their announcers bring a lot of energy. I like their announcers. Their their uniforms look good. It's it's a good destination if you want to see a, some good basketball. The Knicks are good. You go to New York. You go to Madison Square Garden. I like. I like that the Knicks are doing good. I like seeing my boy Julius Randle just completely develop his game. It's insane that he's developed his three-point game that much. He's shooting above 40. He looks confident stepping into three-point shots. That mid-range jumper is crispy. It's buttery. Uh, I believe they're saying that he's he's shooting over 50% on those pull-up mid-range jumpers. 
Julius Randle's game is just so crispy right now. He's he's full of confidence. Uh, he's he, he's definitely on that superstar um, trajectory. Like he's I believe he's only 26 years old, so he still has potential to get even better. I'm so excited to see how his career plays out. But after a rough start to his career, breaking his leg with the Lakers, you know, not not being kept by the Lakers, going to the Pelicans. I believe he only signed like a one year contract with the Pelicans, and now. I, People were criticizing him when he signed with the Knicks. The Knicks had all these stars that they wanted to get in free agency, and they missed on all of them. And I believe the first signing that offseason was Julius Randle on a three-year contract. And they already had a bunch of power forwards, and Julius Randle wasn't the Julius Randle that he is right now. So there was a lot of disappointment when they got him. Not, Not so much because of Julius Randle. It was because they had so much expectations of getting one of these big stars. But now Julius Randle, the development that he's had, has been... It's been a sight to behold. Um, props to Tom Thibodeau. Props to Julius Randle for working so hard. There was a story that broke about how um, he's taking on some of those tips that um, Kobe Bryant, the late Kobe Bryant, gave him. Like as soon as he pulls up to a city for an NBA game, he goes and gets a light, a late, um, a late night training session in the gym or at a local high school or something like that. He still does that. So it's it's great to hear stories like that about Julius Randle. It's great to hear that. Kobe Bryant still has influence in some of these players in the NBA. My only concern for the for Julius Randle for the Knicks is Tom Thibodeau is known for running players into the into the ground. He he plays them a lot of minutes. Um, he did it with Derrick Rose. He's done it. Uh, I think he did it with Jimmy Butler when he was with the with the Timberwolves. So and, and if you look at Julius Randle's minutes these last few games, they're like in the 40s and the high 30s. I think one of them was like 47. I'm scared he's going to flame out by the time the playoffs come around. But he's still young. He's 26. So I hope everything goes well. Knock on wood, nothing happens to him. There's been a lot of injuries in the NBA. But overall, I'm happy for Julius Randle. I'm happy that he's becoming um, like an all-NBA player and that he's getting his shine and that people are noticing how good of a player he is. And, yeah, good luck to the Knicks. I don't have a horse in the East. So, hey, if the Knicks go all the way to the finals, I wouldn't be mad. Um, realistically, they'll probably maybe win uh, a first-round series, but we'll see. Knicks basketball is finally fun again, and I enjoy seeing them. And shout-out to Julius Randle for turning his career around and becoming a legit a legit star in the NBA. And uh, on a lighter note, on a kind of sad note, Alex Smith retires from the NFL. The first overall pick in 2005 finally calls it a career. I um, want to tip my hat to uh, Alex Smith. Everywhere he's gone, since he since he turned his career around, uh, everywhere he's gone, he's revived that franchise. Uh, so he got good with the Niners under Harbaugh, under the Jim Harbaugh. And then he went to the Chiefs, and they weren't making the playoffs. And then alongside Andy Reid, they turned the Chiefs around. They made the playoffs like every single year when he was there. And he helped develop um, Patrick Mahomes. Then he gets traded from the Chiefs. Patrick Mahomes always talks about how much of a mentor, how much of a leader Alex Smith was, how much he helped him develop. And then he goes with the Washington football team, and he's leading them to the playoffs. Unfortunately, he gets hurt, breaks his leg, takes a year for him to recover, um, makes one of the best comeback stories ever, a Cinderella story kind of. You could write a book about it. He comes back. He works himself back into the depth chart, starts as the third-string quarterback, 
moves his way all the way to starter and he shines he looks good he looks solid he looks like the best qb um for the washington football team he gets them into the playoffs so everywhere he's gone since since he turned his career around everywhere he's gone he's made that team better he's produced for that team i think that's that's hard and that that shows how good alex smith was he has a lot of you know naysayers he has a lot of people that call him a bust because you know Aaron Rodgers was drafted in the same draft, approximately, I think, 21 picks after him. He was a 22nd overall pick for the Packers. So that comparison was always there, that the that the Niners passed on Aaron Rodgers. But if you take away that comparison, if you just look at Alex Smith's career as a whole, he finishes with a 99-67, 99-67 and one record, 35,650 yards, 199 touchdowns to 109 interceptions. And... Uh, Overall, especially if you look at the beginning of his career, how many losses he had in the first few years, how many, uh, how little touchdowns to interceptions he had, the fact that he almost finished with a two to one record and he won almost half more games than he lost, goes to show how how good Alex Smith was when he turned around. Yeah, he was a game manager. Yeah, he didn't really take a lot of chances. Yeah, if you had him, you're always kind of looking to see if he could upgrade, but. He was, for the most part, the barometer of what a good quarterback was. If you wanted to consider yourself a good quarterback, you had to be at least at Alex Smith level. If you were below Alex Smith, you're probably not good at quarterback. If you're above Alex Smith, you're a good quarterback. He was that barometer, or maybe a little bit slight. Him and Andy Dalton, but I liked Alex Smith better just because he took the care, care of the ball. He took more care of the ball, but overall, Alex Smith, I don't think, uh, I don't think he... He should be disappointed with his career. I think he should be happy with what he did in the in the NFL. I, for one, enjoyed his career. He had some great moments. He had the catch number three, throwing it to Vernon Davis. He had uh, he turned the Niners around. He had the controversy with Kaepernick when he, they took his job. That was fun to keep an eye out on. He had that crazy game against Andrew Luck in the playoffs when they blew a, a crazy lead. Uh, that whole comeback story with the Washington football team was amazing to watch. Uh, it's super motivational, super like inspiring. And uh, yeah, he just looks like a great guy. He looks like a stand-up person, and now he gets to retire. He said uh, Andy Reid already extended him a job offer. He said if, if he wants to get into coaching, he, he gets first dibs. So it's fun. I, I, it, a lot of people respect him. Um, the response from the league, from from his coaches, has all been great. Everyone just has good things to say about Alex Smith, so... I'm happy for Alex Smith. I hope he enjoys retirement. I hope he enjoys his family. And like I said, he, he gets to walk out on his own feet. It looked like he wasn't going to be able to. He came back. He had a decent season with the Washington football team. He got to be a starter again. He got to go. He, he got to prepare throughout the week as a starter. He got to be the leader of a team again. And I think ultimately that's what he wanted. He wanted to be the guy again. He wanted to not retire because of the injury. And... He gets to go on his own. Uh, there was some job offer from Urban Meyer with the Jacksonville Jaguars that he kind of talked about, but he said in the end he knew it was time. He knew it was time to hang up the boots. And Alex Smith knows best, so I wish him the best in whatever venture he decides to pursue next. And I will always look at his career as, you know, a, a good one. Uh, I liked I liked the resiliency that he had. He was inspirational. And this is the end of the Alex Smith story, but... I love it. Uh, it was a great one. Um, I was rooting for Alex Smith, and now he gets to retire and enjoy the rest of his life. But to wrap up this podcast, this episode, 
The Browns signed Davian Clowney to a one-year deal worth up to $10 million. They signed him on his second visit to Cleveland this offseason. The Cleveland Brown has had been rumors, have been rumored throughout the years, like the last couple years that they wanted to sign him. This is Clowney's fourth team in four years, and the Browns were always one of those teams throughout these years that were in the market for him, and they finally make it happen. To make this happen, they did have to cut Sheldon Richardson. They save eleven million against the cap. And so now they have nine first round picks in their lineups, three first overall picks in their team, Mayfield, Garrett, and Clowney. They were all first overall picks. And I'm very excited to see how Miles Garrett and Jadavian Clowney support each other, how they play off each other. They might be they're two of the freakiest athletes in the NFL, just their body composition, how big they are. Um, it's going to be a scary sight to behold seeing Clowney and Garrett line up at two different ends. They might even, they're going to try so many things out with them. They might put them both in the center, both on the edges, both on the same side. It's, there's The possibilities are endless. Uh, a lot of injuries for Clowney. Uh, I believe he's had five knee surgeries. He's 28 years old. So a lot of his athleticism, a lot of you know the, the explosiveness that he could have has diminished because of these knee injuries. But I think he's always been asked to be the guy. He's always been asked to be the number one. Or after he left the Texans, obviously J.J. Watt was number one. But with the Titans, with the Seahawks, he was asked to be the main guy, the main pass rusher, the guy that gets the double teams, the guy that has to, um, you know, win, the guy that defensive schemes rely on to get pressure. Now with the Browns, Miles Garrett is clearly the guy. He's probably the best rusher in the league right now, him and Aaron Donald and Mack are the best, are probably the three best at getting to the quarterback right now. So with Miles Garrett getting the double teams, with Miles Garrett being the one that the defense is going to put all their attention to, now Clowney has, for the first time in a while, the opportunity to just be one-on-one, just be this guy, just use your freakish power, freakish athleticism to get around your guy. Yeah, it has diminished, but I think he still has enough to get it done. Zero sacks in eight games last year for Tennessee. But Tennessee as a whole had a terrible pass rush. I think they re- they overly relied on um, Jadavian Clowney. And now with the Browns, I think they could take their foot off the gas a little bit with Jadavian Clowney. They could rest him. They could keep him healthy. They could keep him fresh for the back end of the season, You know, get him into rhythm the last four weeks and keep him healthy for the playoffs. That's when they're going to need him. Um, the Browns are looking scary. The, the way they played the second half of the season, Baker Mayfield turned it around. He he completely looked like a different quarterback. Um, he had the best season of his career last year. OBJ is going to come back. They have one of the best two-headed punches at the running back position in NFL history. Hunt and Chubb, they're just both electric from the running back position. They have two legit tight ends. They have OBJ coming back. The Browns are coming. The Browns have one of the most complete rosters in the NFL. If they could just keep everyone healthy, if they could keep following Stefanski's leadership, this might be the year that the Browns really make some noise, go to the AFC Championship. They might even make the Super Bowl. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying they have the potential to do it. They have a loaded roster. Defense is one of their weaknesses. If Miles Garrett and Clowney are, are harassing passers, they're going to be scary. So, uh you, their back end, their cornerbacks, their safeties, that's probably their weakest point. But if you have an elite pass rush, that's always one of the best solutions to a, a weak um, defensive back roster, like a, a roster that is weak at the defensive back position. So if they have an elite pass rush, 
that could help him out. So hopefully for the Browns, Jadavion Clowney goes back to his Pro Bowl. He's made like three Pro Bowls, I believe. He's been an All-Pro once. So hopefully he's able to come back to at least, you know, close to that All-Pro level or Pro Bowl level. And him and Miles Garrett, I mean, like I said, if you have ever seen them with without no shirt on, Miles Garrett is a freak. Jadavion Clowney is a freak. And they're going to look to terrorize the NFL next season. And it's going to be a good show. I'm excited to see the Browns next year. I think this is a good, this is a good pickup for them. Um, but, yeah, Browns signed Jadavion Clowney. And they cut Sheldon Richardson. Let me know what you guys think about this signing. Is Jadavion Clowney washed? Is Did they pay too much for him? Is, is he an old 28 years old? Can his knees not hold up? Like, what do you guys think? If you guys are Browns fans, let me know. If you guys are just fans of another team, let me know what you guys think or neutral fans anyway let me know what you guys think i think it's a good signing i think there's potential i see jadavian Clowney being a, a good serviceable a good pass rusher when he's not the number one when there's someone else getting the attention but let me know i might be wrong but this should wrap it up for the episode 43 of the hard to handle sports podcast uh we talked about a lot in this episode um you know warriors versus celtics great game Julius Randle for most improved. The Browns signed Jadavion Clowney. Alex Smith retires. But ultimately, the main point of this podcast was to talk about the, the, the European Super League and how devastating that was, how much of a menace, how much of a threat that is to world soccer. And I hope it doesn't pull through. Um, now that I'm done recording, I'm going to go back on Twitter, go back on these websites and see what's going on hopefully hopefully it doesn't go through hopefully we're able to save uh, our european world football but thank you for tuning in i'll probably touch on the european super league in the next episode too this is not going to go away like in one day this is probably going to linger for a couple months we'll see it's going to be a legal battle so if you guys are interested tune in uh follow me on twitter i'll be retweeting a bunch of stuff uh at hard to handle sports on instagram but yeah, thank you so much for listening. This was episode 43. Tune in for episode 44 later this week. Um, we'll touch more on the Super League. Probably touch more on the Warriors because Curry is just going crazy. Um, we'll touch on if the European Soccer League um, causes the, the Champions League to be halted. There's a lot of dominoes that have to fall. So yeah, tune in. Subscribe to the podcast. Subscribe on YouTube. Uh, thank you for listening. I'm out. Have a great rest of your day.